welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And today we are finishing a book. We're finishing Savvy by Ingrid Law. And so we're a third of the way through our current trilogy. I like when we cover single books, but I also really like when we read series. So basically, I guess I'm just happy to be reading. The single books are just nice because if you don't like a book, like it's over. Whereas a series, if you don't like the series, it just drags on and on. But fortunately, that's not the case with this series. But before we dive into that, for anyone who is new to the show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescents and share them with each other. As Charles alluded to, we had been reading some single books, but now we're back to a series. And this is Savvy, which is a trilogy that Charles picked out. And he's only read the first book before, but not the other two books coming. So soon we will both be new to the remaining books. I, and you know, as we know, I only really remembered the premise of the books. You know, the family that has the powers. I didn't really know how it ended. So I was kind of already in the dark, but it's okay. I enjoyed the book. And now Asia, who's the true newcomer, as not the suggester, she gets to summarize the plot for the second half of Savvy. So for the second half, we have our crew of Mibs, Fish, Samson, Bobby, and Will Jr., along with Lester and Lil, and they're traveling. And of course, they've been gone so long now that the kids are reported missing. And Will Jr. and Bobby know about the Beaumont Savvies, so Fish and Mibs decide to be fully honest with them, which helps blossom their friendships. Meanwhile, Lil gets fired from her job, Lester faces his demons, and the police do catch up with them. But luckily, they all make it back to Selena, and Mibs can hear her dad's tattoo when everyone else has given up hope, so he makes a pretty good recovery. And that's pretty much the end of the book. And... For my impression, I will say, in the last episode, if you listened, we kind of have predicted the ending that Mibs, with her newfound power of being able to hear people's thoughts if they have a tattoo on their body, that she was somehow magically going to be able to wake up her dad from a coma. We had kind of, like, predicted that. So, glad that we got that right, but still, the story was a little predictable. But overall, say the story was cute, and I still enjoyed it, and I am looking forward to reading the next book because I just really like the characters. Like, I feel like this has a good amount of comedy in it. Like, it's sweet but funny, so I feel like that's what's keeping me interested. And I also really enjoy the, like, power, the savvies. Yeah, I mean, my impression was I didn't really feel like anything happened in the second half, like, plot-wise. But I'm not, I don't really mean that as a criticism, I just... And so I felt I actually really enjoyed the book. And I felt like the Mibs dynamics, as, you know, the characters are great. I really like her dynamic with Bobby and her her dynamic with Will Jr. And I think it's kind of like a, it's, you know, a nice book for children. So, So diving in, Bobby knows that Mibs has powers, so the cover is essentially blown. That's quickly overshadowed by Ozzy. The terrible boss. He threatens the kids, then he fires Lil, and he throws cash at her as her last paycheck. So, total catastrophe. And with what 
happens with Lil when she gets fired from her job and just how terrible her boss is to her. I just feel like as soon as we read this part, I was like, there's no way that she can be the villain, which is something we kind of had predicted in the first half of the book or not necessarily predicted, but I was hoping for. I thought that would be like a cool like plot twist, but there's just no way with everything that happened. It was clear that she's just like a kind character who like you can't help feeling sympathetic towards. Yeah, I thought the same thing because I really actually liked that suggestion suggestion that you made. So I was kind of excited by the idea of her kind of being sketch, but of course she just was a nit a ditzy, nice person, a total klutz. And the kids actually like they take advantage of that too because when they get to the hotel, the kids are like, if we don't call our parents, then Lester and Lil won't get in trouble, which makes no sense because if they're missing, people are going to be looking for them, and even if Lester and Lil bring them home. Lester and Lil got in trouble with that. Like, I don't know. It, they But they basically trick Lil and say that they've called her parents, but they actually didn't call them. And it was all kind of, like, stupid because, I mean, I sort of already started getting into this, but, like, I know that Lester has to meet the financial obligation, obligations, but given the certain the circumstances, employers would, like, have to understand. Like, if you had stowaway children... You're, you had best return them to safety or government custody immediately. Like, instead of finishing your business deliveries, because that makes a business liable. Like, Lil and Lester bringing them to a hotel, keeping them over a night. I know that, I know the kids wanted to be there. I know the kids weren't really in danger. But I'm like, that is completely irresponsible. Like, Lil and Lester are stupid because they're, that's just so dangerous. Like, I mean, the crime of, like, detaining the children and, like, not bringing the kids... Because I know the kids stowed away themselves. But now, like, you need to bring those kids back immediately. The adults should have definitely done better. I mean, I feel like it was pretty obvious that Lil and Lester weren't the sharpest... Sharpest people, so I wouldn't have expected much more from them. But at this point, I was more so thinking about how I can't even imagine how worried the kids' parents are because now that they've been missing overnight, like, that to me is, like, a much bigger deal, especially for kidnappings of kids that aren't found within 48 hours. They're, like, likely to be killed because they amateur crime, and that is a fact. Like, so this is just, like, such a terrible thing to do to their parents. Like, I obviously know this is a kid's story, and the kids weren't thinking like that. And I also understand their idea of they want to do this because they don't want to get Lil and Lester in trouble because, as Charles just said, they definitely weren't very smart in their idea of, oh, like, we'll take them to a secondary location and, like, hold them overnight. Like, that's definitely not going to look good for them as far as, like, getting in trouble with the police or whatever because it, it looks like a kidnapping, even if the kids are saying that they wanted to be there. And I understand that, but they're honestly just causing so much like unnecessary heartache and I guess that kind of shows that I'm getting older because I've started to sympathize with the parents over the kids but yeah to me this whole like thing I was just like I cannot even imagine like if I had a child that like disappeared especially like while they're like dealing with like the dad might die like he's literally in the hospital could die at any moment and then you hear that your other kids all your other kids who aren't with you have run away and they have no idea where they are. Like, I just can't imagine the stress of that situation. 
yeah, actually, at first I wrote down why didn't even the kid why didn't the kids call their parents? And I realized they were trying to protect Lil and Lester, but I was like, that's so stupid. Like, just be responsible. Like, you need to call your parents. Like, and again, if Lester and Lil are going to bring them back, Lester and Lil are going to be held accountable for having them at any point anyway. Like, that made no sense. It was. It made no sense. I mean, I think that they, like, used the idea of they didn't want to get them in trouble as, like, an excuse. But to me, like, they didn't call their parents because their parents would have immediately wanted to come and get them and, like, end their little adventure. I mean, all these kids are, like, 13, 14 and under. I mean, except for Bobby, who's the oldest. She's 16, but still, like, not even really, like, full teenagers. Like, these are kids. Like, they have Samson. He's literally, like, seven years old in the book so like I could also imagine they didn't call their parents because they knew they would get in trouble and it would end like the their whole journey like what they wanted to do Mibs wants to go to the hospital but I thought the whole journey was to go to Salina to the hospital yeah but the whole point was that the her mom had not let her come so I mean they're little kids they're not like thinking this through fully obviously they're like if we get caught like we're not gonna be able to go to the hospital whereas like if you get caught probably they're gonna bring you to the hospital but That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that makes no sense. Because if they got caught, like, whatever. Anyway. They're kids. They're not not fully thinking through, like, what's going on. Their brains aren't fully developed. Yeah, I agree. Well, so that leads us to the fateful pool scene during their kidnapping. Will Jr. kisses Mibs. And Mibs and Bobby have a really sweet heart-to-heart. And... I just gotta say, Will Jr. has some stones. Because, like, he just kissed her in front of both of their siblings. Like, that was... Definitely would not have done that myself as a child. And then I also really enjoy Bobby and Mibs being friends. I think it's... I think it's charming when they are friends. Yeah, and during this moment, we also find out that Bobby's tattoo was actually a temporary tattoo, which makes way more sense because, you know, last episode we were like, how did the 16-year-old girl get a tattoo without her parents' permission? Because obviously we know that Mibs is able to read people's thoughts or emotions, whatever, because if people have ink on their body, like a tattoo... And she was able to understand Bobby's thoughts. We were like, oh my gosh, how did she get a tattoo? But now we know that she didn't actually have a real tattoo. It was temporary. So that to me seems just way more plausible. Yeah. I mean, it made sense. Also, it was clever. And it gets we get this really revealing moment about Mibs. She's really mature because she says that it would be better to get to know Bobby the normal way if they want to be friends or not at all. And I'm just like, that is so wise of a child because I feel like a child who gets a superpower to read people's minds and be like, I want to know what everyone's thinking all the time. And, like, I can know all your secrets. And Mibs is like, you know, this would be better if they tell me their secrets when they're ready. Like, what emotional intelligence this teenage 13-year-old girl has. And then, like, the emotional intelligence, this is a theme now, it continues because... And she has it, and Will Jr. has it. Because then she tells him the next day, she's like, I'm not ready to be kissing. No pretense. No confusion. No drama. No hurt feelings. Just honesty. And he doesn't throw a hissy fit. He's just like, totally understand. And then he's super romantic, because he knows by now that, like, you just need ink to activate her power. So he draws on himself, and he's like, his thoughts are like, I can wait. Like, that is so cute. 
I mean, yeah, we're getting some Edward and Bella right here. Look at that perfect pre-adolescent romance. I, I was so happy. It was very sweet. I really liked the moment because he asks her for the pen back, and she thinks it's because, like, he's taking back his gift, but it's actually, actually so he can draw on himself so that she's able to, like, hear what he's thinking instead of, you know, just saying it. It's, like, very cute. Very cute. So, anyway, now... They're back on their way to Selena, but they're swinging by Carlene first, which Carlene is the name. That's one of the tattoos that's on Lester, and I believe it's, like, his ex-wife or girlfriend. Yeah, I don't think we ever get it confirmed, but it's definitely a romantic partner. I th- Yeah, we don't know if, like, they were married or not, but definitely an ex-romantic partner or, I guess, maybe on again, off again. Who knows? But he has her name tattooed on his body, which is one of the voices Mibs has heard the whole time when she's been with Lester. And so they're going to her first because Lester, like, owes her money or something, and he, like, wants to be done with her. And Mibs kind of has an outburst about her because she knows that Carlene basically abuses Lester because, again, she can hear the tattoo talking and how... The tattoo of Carlene's name and his mother's name are just constantly berating him. Like, it's basically like the embodiment of, like, you know, dealing with your own demons, but it's like embodied in people in his life through tattoos. So she is like n- totally against this and is like, you need to leave. But somehow Lester is like not weirded out by any of this. Like, the fact that Mibs like knows all these intimate details about him because she's been listening to the tattoos. He's like, just go with the flow. Doesn't even question her on it. Like that was kind of (laughs) odd, but you know, moving on. So he says he'll leave Carleen and he and Lil have kind of formed this like romantic thing going on. So I guess they're going to live happily ever after, which I guess is fine. But After, like, one thing or another happens, they go there. She recognizes the kids as being the ones on TV is missing, so she goes to call the police because, obviously, she's angry that Lester is leaving her. So the police get called, and they try to run away, but Samson, who, if you don't remember from last episode, he has a tendency to, like, hide. He's very quiet into himself, so he'll, like, hide in little places, and he ends up hiding inside the wall of, like, her trailer, and she locks him in there. So when they leave, they forget him, and they end up having to go back. And the whole thing, like, their whole adventure gets shut down when the police show up. And, you know, this leads to Mibs. She even even says, what if somebody bad like Carlene found out about the power of the Beaumonts? Which we didn't really get into in this book, though I do hope we get into in the future. Like, kind of what we were talking about, like, the need for a villain. It's just that, like, if you knew people had powers, like definitely people would want to take advantage of them and use them for their for probably financial gain. So we didn't really get into it in this book, but I hope that in the future you could definitely, like, I'm, I'm hoping that in the future we could see that, sort of a, getting into that. But luckily, Carlene is too stupid and does not actually find out about their powers. And because as we talked about before, Mib's power, or savvy, is very powerful because... All she has to do is draw on somebody and she can, like, hear, like, she can get the information she needs, which is exactly what she does with Carlene, because Carlene won't tell them where Samson is. And basically, they, 
the other kids like hold her down so that they're able to write like a little happy face on her and then Mibs is able to read her mind to know that Samson's in the wall. So it's definitely a very powerful savvy to have to like get information. But yeah, Carlene is not tuned in enough to figure out what is up with it. She's obviously weirded out, but can't come to that conclusion of savvies or anything. But so after the police are there, none of the adults get arrested in the end, which I was glad for, except for Carlene, because honestly, she should have been charged with like child endangerment because she literally locked Samson behind a wall. So that's definitely wrong. But Overall, the whole situation could have ended up a lot worse. I mean, I think Lil and Lester, they're sweet, they're kind, but they're still complete morons. Like, if the kids hadn't been so profusely, like, yeah, this is what we wanted, or like, Lil and Lester are nice people, like, you could have definitely charged them with kidnapping. Well, at least they deserve one another then. They're on equal ground. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dark. But then we end up finding out that Bill, which they thought was Bobby and Will Jr.'s older brother, is actually just Bobby's brother and is actually Will Jr.'s dad. So Will Jr. is not a son of Rosemary and the preacher. He's the son of Bill. Which I guess is kind of cool and important. I mean, when this happened, I was kind of thinking, like, who is Bill? Did we meet him at the beginning? Like, I don't really remember. I feel like they mentioned no, there being three mentioned, children. No, he mentioned, remember? They mentioned him a couple times, and, like, they never talk about the brother who's a state trooper. It's, like, kind of hush-hush. And I and guess, like, it's the reveal of Will's secret that he mentioned in the beginning. Yeah, this is the reveal that when... Will asks Mib what, Mibs what's going on. She's like, I'm just, you know, I'm fine. And then Will's like, I'm not the, you're not the only one with secrets. I don't know. I guess I just, it to me, it like, wasn't that shocking because, like, it didn't seem like that big a deal. Like, it's like Will Jr. wanted everybody well, that's to what know. I'm saying. Like, they, they didn't seem, like, ashamed of it. So it didn't really feel like a secret was being revealed. It was kind of like, oh, like. No, it really, I agree. Like, it was just like, you know, this is a thing. Like, you just didn't happen to know about it. But it wasn't like they were, like, seeming like trying to hide it. Which, I mean, could be the idea of that, you know, Rosemary and the preacher, like, they're obviously, like, trying to protect their reputation. And, you know, their son had a kid, like, out of wedlock, or I'm assuming is the case. I I assume that's more of the indication that, like, the parents care, the kids themselves don't. I guess kids and grandkid don't (laughs) care. So, yes. But, yeah, so then... So then they make it to the hospital where the dad is in a coma and the family basically is like, it's over. And Mibs and Fish are like, oh my God, we want to see dad. And the mom is like very clearly indicating like he's going to die. And they're like, we just want to see dad. And she's like trying to prepare them. And they're like, we just can't wait. And I'm like, kids, wake up. Yeah, when the mom like, I think it's like, like she basically like deflated when they finally like brought up the dad because she was obviously excited to know that they were safe and everything because again like they weren't thinking of the fact that obviously yes they were worried about the dad but now that also their children have been missing overnight so they're worried about them too because they could be dead so they gave them a heart attack as well as rocket the oldest 
brother how like they said how his savvy is like the electricity thing and he like knocked out the whole city's like infrastructure or whatever he knocked out the city's power and when they get there mibs is like oh my gosh it wasn't just from him worrying about like our dad it's also because he was worrying about us and i was like well no duh mibs like you guys could have been dead but okay well no duh mibs but I will say how the mom was talking, I was like, is he going to die? Like, is the first book, like, they're going to start with a death? I was like, this seems pretty, like, way too dark for this, like, kid's story. I mean, even if the dad had died, I knew that Miz was going to be able to talk to the dad through the tattoo. So I wasn't, like, worried, if that makes sense. Like, there was going to be resolution, you know? I was just getting kind of worried because I was like, the mom, like, they just seemed hopeless, I feel like, when they got there. Like, the mom was, like, hopeless. The nurses were hopeless, which I guess you could think of it was, like, so anyway, he does end up waking up. And it basically, like we said, is what we predicted was correct, which is that, well, Mibs actually wasn't able to hear him at first. Like, it was just dead silence, which, I mean, just added to the drama of the whole scene because... Fish and Samson know what Mib's power is and they're waiting for her to say something and she just like shakes her head no that she can't hear anything so I was like freaking out like oh my gosh she's definitely dead like a fake out but then she starts like screaming in his ear (laughs) basically while he's in a coma and she starts to hear his voice like through the tattoo his like mermaid tattoo is talking And she's telling him that his savvy, like, because obviously he doesn't have a savvy because he's not from, like, the family bloodline, even though, like we said last time, there must have been some incest in these relationships because the grandmother and grandfather both had savvies. But maybe not, actually, because in the the little add-on, which we'll talk about later, they mentioned that there are multiple families with Savvy, so maybe she was coming from one of those, but I'm still suspecting incest. Anyway, back to the dad, and basically, Mib says, is telling her father that, you know, his Savvy is this idea of never giving up. Like, they talk about in the story how the mom was, like, not interested in him at first, but he never gave up, and, like, he eventually, like, I don't want to say wore her down because that sounds terrible, but he eventually earned her favor and (laughs) they fell in love. And like, so that's just like something like that's a part of his like character, his personality. He doesn't give up easily. So she starts basically screaming in this man's ear. You're not going to give up. You never give up. So obviously the nurses are trying to pull him away because she sounds insane. But then all of a sudden, all of the like heart monitors and stuff start going crazy because he's about to wake up. Which I was like, okay, this is a straight-up children's miracle. But you know what? Great. Because it would have been sad for them to lose their dad. That would have been traumatizing. But, so that basically gives him the strength, and he's able to wake up. And literally, like I said, a miracle. Yeah, it was it was truly a divine miracle. And, yeah, we were correct. We, I mean, it was so obvious that, like... She was going to be able to talk to him through that tattoo since the tattoo got mentioned beforehand. Like, you know, it was obviously going to happen. I did actually like, though, and this is going to sound bad out of context, but I did like that the dad isn't perfectly healed. Like, he kind of has a speech impediment. I think he's, like, limping. Like, he's not, like, he didn't just go zero to 100 real quick. Like, 
which would have been, I mean, it's fantasy anyway, whatever. It's not that, like, it's not realistic per se, but, like, someone who's been in a... But it makes it more realistic that, like, he has, like, brain damage. I mean, he was in a terrible car accident. Like, he had to face some consequences. And he's been in a coma for, like, a week. And it would be very strange if someone just, like, woke up and was like, ta-da! <laughs> you know, I, I just, I appreciated that because, again, not that I want the dad to suffer at all. That's not what I mean. But I'm just like, it, it makes it, like you said, it just gives it a shade more realism. Yes, it makes it more realistic, which is nice. And that kind of wraps it up. So Rocket is going to go off to Wyoming to work on his savvy because he's blowing stuff up. Fish has officially scumbled his, which means he's gotten control of it. So he's allowed to go back into school. Mibs is probably fine since her power isn't really that dangerous, but she probably needs to learn how to do it because kids are doodling on themselves all the time in school. And so she's going to practice for a year or so. And we find out that the mom is pregnant. And so she's going to have six children, which is too many. That is a lot of kids. I'm one of four, and I thought that was a lot. Six? That Six? is a lot. I feel like anything more than two or three is, like, a lot of kids. Well, do you have any final thoughts? Actually, no. Any more than two, because then, you know, you outnumber the adults. Unless they're a thruple, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my final thoughts of the book. <laughs> Jumping off that point. I did think this book was super cute, as I've mentioned before. Like I said, because it honestly reminds me of the Cullens, you know. Ooh, Twilight. Honestly, I'm starting to get the Inklings. It's been, like, two years since we read it. Like, I might have to reread it again. Like, it's coming up on that timely fashion. But this is reminding me of that, just of the powers, along with the very strong family dynamic, which is, like, what I really enjoyed about, like, the Cullens and Twilight is, like, how they're a family. But... Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to reading the next book. I just, I thought this was sweet. I didn't really have anything bad to say against it. So as Charles said, has tried to say before that I don't like things he picks. Untrue just means that most of the stuff he's recommended hasn't been to my liking. But that doesn't mean I won't like anything. But I did want to talk about at the end of my book, my version of the book, it had an addition. Did yours have that? No. Well... Might have this, and I was wondering because I didn't know if this was like spoilers to like the next books. But I mean, it said, I don't know if you do you remember when was this book released? It was like 2013, I believe. 2013. Well, it looks like basically she has this little like extra edition, and it's called Five Years Later, and it's copyrighted in 2018. So she released it. I guess if it's 2013, that's exactly five years later. Wow, did I just remember that out of the top of my head? Well, don't check the audio in case I'm wrong, but I think I was right. <laughs> Let's hope, because that would be cool that it was, like, five years, and that's what it's about. And it's exactly what it is. It's five years later in this timeline, which I'm assuming, obviously, these books, obviously, also, these books are about Mibs. Like, she's the main character, at least was in this book, so I'm assuming it'll be the same for the other three. So it's kind of her story, her getting her savvy, the next book scumbling it, and then whatever switch means. I'm assuming, like, this is her story, whereas this is kind of, this focuses on Samson, which is the seven-year-old, the, not the youngest, but the second youngest at the time. And it says that it's a savvy birthday story in two parts about a boy who gets a two-part savvy. And it's basically two chapters about 
Samson on his 13th birthday getting his savvy and his savvy ends up being that he can turn invisible and incorporeal is that how you say that incorporeal is that the word you're talking See, about that wasn't even close in whatever that word incorporeal it basically means, means not- that you're invisible but also people can pass yeah you're no longer like, solid you literally like not cease to exist but like you cease to exist like you just disappear like it's not like you're invisible and somebody can bump into you like you're just gone you're just existing in the nothingness. It's just That's like a f- honestly like scary. A free fo- a free floating soul. But like you're not even there. I guess you're kind of like a ghost. Can like you imagine you how see. good you would be at hide and seek? Well, no one would ever find you. Like, what if you couldn't come back to yourself? You would be gone forever. You'd cease to exist. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible way to live. Anyway, but. So that's the first part of his savvy. And his second part, which was kind of hinted in this book, is that he's able to give people strength by touching them, which I had mentioned last episode how, like, he touches Mibs, is instantly able to, like, calm her, and I think he does the same thing to fish, like, he's able to, like, calm them down. Mad Jasper vibes. Mad what? Jasper vibes. Oh, yeah, Jasper but he has to, like, be in contact with them, and this basically, like, he can, like, make their savvies, like, work at, like, if they're working, like, right now at, like, level 10, he can make them work at level 100. So, like, he touches Mibs, and then she can hear people's tattoos for, like, miles and miles away, whereas obviously normally she can only hear in her general vicinity, and Fish, like, his storms become more powerful. So it was just cute to kind of, like, see a little glimpse in him turning 13 because like they said, I think Mibs is like, we were interested to know what his savvy was. Yeah. Definitely interested to know what his savvy was. And like, it shows like the kids are a little older. That was why I was also saying it was like possibly a spoiler also. Cause like they say like the mother, well, they said the mother's pregnant. Like they give the youngest kid's name. I think his name is like tuck or something, but I don't know. It didn't. I don't think it really spoiled it because it wasn't really about Mibs. But we'll see as we read. Well, if it's a spoiler, I'm sure it'll revolve like it'll be re- revealed in the first part of Scumble, so it's not going to matter. Yeah, but either like, way, I I don't know. Also, it was. It doesn't cute. really feel like a spoiler if it was written later. Like, I meant in the sense of like it's interesting to add something to the first book. I mean, I guess if you're, like, reading the whole series, but whatever. It was cute. I definitely very much enjoyed it. I thought it was a very nice addition. I haven't seen that before in books, and I thought it was, like, sweet. I think I like the sound of that, too, but I think it makes it feel like Samson's probably not going to be in Scumble. Like, it makes... If if you would add that... I don't think it that seems... it's not. He's not going to be in Scumble, but I'm assuming that this book, like, the series isn't going to go through five years like it's not going to go long enough in a timeline for us to get samson's savvy that's why it was added maybe i have no idea i have no idea what happens but that's what i was assuming because i mean that is a pretty big time jump yeah considering this book takes place over the course of four days (laughs) (laughs) anyway this feels like a perfect segue to finish up this book we are going to read the first half of the next book, Scumble, for next week, which is going to be chapters 1 through 18. So if you'd like to read along with us, that's what you should read. 
And as always, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You can head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on TikTok and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at seashells on Instagram. And if you enjoyed this, make sure you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other fantastic podcasts that we have in the Nerd Party Network family. Make sure you subscribe to our show so you don't miss us next week. Yep, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.